Well, I'm so thankful to uh, welcome someone uh, that I've heard about in the past, but got to meet and had a good time talking with this past week at a luncheon, actually in the sheriff's office. Uh, we had a neat luncheon there. But welcome to Jonathan Bergsma. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Let me uh, tell you a little bit more about Jonathan. He currently lives in the Rockford, Michigan area. He's married. He's been married for 25 years to, as he describes her, his lovely wife, Kelly. They have five children, three boys and a girl that range in age from 25 down to nine. Quite a neat range there. And Jonathan's the pastor slash director of City Impact Outreach Center in Cedar Springs, Michigan. And uh, that's north of Grand Rapids. He was raised in Hudsonville, which is west of Grand Rapids. He was actively involved in church throughout his life. And in his own words, and we're going to hear more about it, he, he fell off the path, the path toward Jesus in his late teens. And just a fascinating story that we're going to hear hopefully a little bit more about. He has a testimony of how Jesus restored his life back in a huge way. He has a, a passion now for evangelism and outreach. His mission is to activate the body of Christ to meet practical needs of the lost and underprivileged in our communities, but it's all fueled by the transforming power and love of Jesus. So again, Jonathan, thanks for taking time to, to be on this little podcast today. Yeah, awesome. My pleasure. So, you know, you, you don't, you know, look old enough to, you know, be doing all that you've been doing and, and having all those kids and everything else. And, but uh, just another sign of God's grace. But you were really, you were raised as a pastor's kid. Am I correct in that? Yeah, my dad wasn't a senior pastor while I was raised, but his dad was a pastor and he was a preacher's kid and he was always involved in ministry. He currently is a senior pastor now, but at the time I was raised, he was staff, but yeah, basically, yes, pastor's kid enough. Okay. Did you have <laughs> so, siblings as well, brothers and sisters growing up? Where did you fit I, in that family? I'm the second oldest. Yeah, we have uh, three brothers or two brothers and two sisters. Okay. And um, yeah, uh, so I'm the second oldest. It was my oldest brother, Cal, myself, and then my sister, Carly, my brother Daniel and Joanna, my youngest sister. So, yeah. All right. Okay. So, you know, being raised a pastor's kid, it's nothing that I did, but, you know, there's some challenges there. Is that fair mm -hmm. to say? Yeah. 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 Well, what, what's there what definitely... some of the challenges of being a pastor's kid? Uh, I would say some of the challenges are just, you know, being raised in a bubble um, mm. and being raised uh, in the kind of like this environment um you know i think a lot of the the things that you know drive me today were that i was raised so well but you know i wasn't trained of what to do with it and some a lot of the church activity you know and what we did as a body of you know christ are all good things in the church but they they i think they kind of became a, an end when they weren't like you know supposed to be like instead of preparing and training and equipping the body for ministry we just kind of lived a uh, Christian culture, Christian life, all amazing people and train up a child in the way they should go. 110% believe that because that was my story to return to the path. But yeah, it is a bit of a, uh, of a sheltered life, I think, depending on how you're raised in a lot of the, you know, Western culture here, I think that can be. And then when kids get out from under that, 
they either rebel against that or they just feel like they got to go, you know, explore the world for themselves. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and of course, you know, Satan, our arch enemy, loves to attack, you know, pastors best they can. And one way to do that is to go, you know, against some of their kids or family and that sort of thing. So, you know, you're raised, you know, in a Christian home. Um, but you, as you, you say, you, you fell off the path in your late teens. Talk about that story and how you came back. Um, well, again, it's not that I even sought out the wrong crowd or rebelled. You know, one of the things I always say is like, you know, I can't blame um, the problems that I've had in my upbringing. I really had an amazing childhood. No, I, hear you. I get it. We lived in the country, you know, hunting, fishing, dirt bikes. I mean, just a really dream childhood. And the older I get, the more I realize, you know, what a blessing that was. My mom sure. and dad loved each other, met at Christ for the Nations. But yep. um, just we had a really close family, big family reunions on the 4th of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day, you know, just, you know, a huge family. Sure. Um, my dad had you know, a lot of brothers and sisters, and I had tons of cousins. And, and I would just say that we were all so close. And then it was like a lot of my my our, my the crowd I hung out with just became the wrong crowd. It's not that I sought it out the wrong crowd. It's just that as a cousin here, a cousin there, something started getting involved in something they shouldn't. And then mm-hmm. it's just like one fat apple soils the whole bunch, you know, yeah, some of the old cousins. Yeah. We just started to just that, that, that kind of stuff that, you know, the world struggles with started to seep into some of the, you know, our, our, us young kids and guys and things. And, as temptations and things as we got older trickled in, you know, things that maybe I perhaps, you know, I don't think my parents were ignorant of it, but I think they just things that they hoped wouldn't happen because of the way they were raised uh, did, (laughs) you know, and just things, whether it's things you look at or things you try or drink or smoke or something. And, and uh, just kind of one thing led to the next and just all of a sudden it's, it's pretty quick slide down that slope once you start going yeah. down especially when you have peer pressure and trying to oh, yeah. well, be a bunch of competitive kids sure you know I mean, that's 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 the way it goes i mean you know i was used to be a juvenile court judge mm-hmm. and uh you know i would tell these kids in court a lot of times you know they were the ones that went along with the real bad guys that broke into the houses but i would tell these kids it's better to have no friends than bad friends I say, you show mm-hmm. me your friends and I'll show you what you're becoming like. And there's obviously scripture on that point, isn't there? You know, it says oh, yeah. bad company corrupts good character, you know. It and, sure does. Uh, and so that, that that's, it would, you know, you can, I tell a lot of our own kids with their own children, you know, just watch out, you know, the friends that your kids are hanging around with. So a little by, and, and Satan will just take one millimeter a day. A little mm-hmm. bit, just a little bit more closer. And after, you know, a few months, you're pretty far away from where you're supposed to be. And that happened to you, apparently, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. And the whole time I was in that process, I mean, I was raised in a charismatic church. I saw, you know, I used to go around with the elders and sure. my dad was an elder and they would pray for people. I had witnessed, you know, healings and deliverances and all sorts of stuff. I never denied that there was a God or oh, that, yeah, there was sure. that was the funny thing. I'd be at my worst moment, you know, as you know, and 
my senior year or whatever it was, you know, drinking and doing things, you know, half passed out. And then like some bad song would come on at a party, like some occultic song. And I would be in my spirit. I'm like raising a guard against that. Like, oh, wow. that's a bad song. You know, I'm like, but here I am living in the pig pen, you know, sure. and I still was aware of good and evil. And I knew I was just for whatever reason, just trying to just see for myself, yeah. you know, pig pen moment is a good way to describe it. I, it was really a kind of a prodigal son type story. Sure. So. Do you think you were actually born again prior to that falling away or not necessarily? Do you know? I, be, I believe so. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely always, you know, even in the worst of times, I just, you know, I never ever did anything to deny the faith or anything yep. like that, or, you know, I still prayed mm -hmm. even through the worst of times. Wow. I never did. I just was just messed up. You know, sure. I just, I'd gotten involved and lured away mm. and then being lured away like a fish, I got hooked, you know, mm. and some mm. stuff that even against my better judgment and will, I just allowed myself to go down a path to where it just there's consequences for stuff that you <laughs> that you get involved in. And the Lord is merciful, though. I mean, I can recall times in my life where actually I, I actually did try to do things that I would have been very serious, um, mm -hmm. you know, for my future. And for whatever reason, the car wouldn't start the phone wouldn't work. I couldn't get through. I mean, supernatural things where I would get mad and I would be like, oh my gosh, like I can't, like I literally was trying to ruin my life and, wow. and the Lord wouldn't let me, but I knew that my mom and my dad, you know, were during that time, you know, praying for me, other people were praying for me. And prayers make such a difference, don't they? Prayers and for our children. children. Yeah. I, I often tell people, you know, the, the single most important thing, you can certainly be a good example. We have to discipline, we have to train, but prayer. Um, the, you, will, you will not find parents at the end of their life saying, you know what, I wasted a lot of time praying too much for my kids, you know, but mm -hmm. you will undoubtedly have a few that'll say, ooh, I should have spent more time on my knees praying for those kids. So I'm sure your parents were praying for you during this time. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah for sure. I knew it. I could, I could feel it. <laughs> and it was... Uh, probably a result of that that ended up, you know, being uh, me getting in trouble. I'm sure. So, so you kind of you know, ran into a brick wall, didn't you? Yeah, and you know, it was part of my thing is is I didn't do anything else that all my friends weren't doing. Right. They were all doing the same things, but I and I wasn't stupid um, in like you know intelligence wise as far as trying to stay out of trouble but it seemed like i was the one that got caught for everything Isn't that amazing and you, you my girlfriend was the one yeah. that got pregnant my wow. was the one who got arrested i was the one stuck at the end of the dock when the cops walked up and just by chance you know and i used to go like how come everyone else is doing exactly the same thing and i can't get away with it i and love it jonathan what a story what a story yeah. so you came so, before a friend of mine a Ken Post, Judge Ken Post, he and I were in the prosecutor's office together. He helped me with my political campaign for judge, and uh, I certainly supported him. So you were arrested and brought before Judge Post in Hudsonville. Uh-huh, yeah. What, and happened? I had, what happened there, Jonathan? His reputation has preceded him as being very strict on yeah. drinking offenses, 
And so I knew it wouldn't be good. I had a couple of my high school buddies and other things that had, you know, gone to jail and gone before him and just heard. And so I didn't know what to expect, but I had gotten two minor possessions of alcohol in the graduation week in my senior year. And uh, just, yeah, I had to go before him. And uh, my dad drove me on the way because I didn't know what was going to happen. There was a slight possibility of going to jail, but I don't really think. How old were you? How old were you at the time, Jonathan? Yeah, I want to say 18, you know, just graduated, probably 18 to 19 or whatever. And my dad, we were heading to work in Holland. My dad ran Dell's Music Center in Holland. That's where I work. And I went there and he was sitting there just through the court process. And yeah, the judge asked me, you know, this and that. I didn't deny it. I pled guilty to it. And he was, I just told him, I said, you know, he said, do you have anything to say for yourself? You know, and I said, well, I just guess I keep being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he goes, that's where you're wrong. You were in the right place at the right time. And I'm like, oh, you know, at that time, like, you know, whatever, punk, punk kid. And then he said, do you have anything else to say to your, before I sentence you? And I said, yeah, I'll never drink again. You and said goes, that. Well, I, I said did, that. Did I said, mean, I'll never. Did you, did you mean it or were you just saying that? I was being cocky. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't mean it. I just, I was like, I'll, I'll, I was just saying what I thought would be the okay. most thing he wanted to hear. Okay. I'm like, I'll never drink again. And he goes, well, I like that answer. We'll give you two weeks in jail to think about it. Bam, next case. And I'm like, what? Like that quick. And I look at my dad and I'm like, people in our family don't go to jail. Like, you know, and uh, it was just like, I was, yeah, and it was, it was horrible. I mean, for it's like, a, I mean, I, I'm a free, you know, Americans don't realize what it's like to be free. And I know as much as it stinks, I think everybody should get locked up and see what that process feels like for at least a few days, because it is especially as arrogant and cocky and prideful and thinking though you got the world to be just, you know, to go through that process of you are nobody. Yeah. You go here, you go there and oh my gosh, it did. I hated it at the time, but it was a real come to Jesus moment for me while I was in there. So, yeah. How did that happen? So you're in jail, locked up. What what happened? Well, previous to this, a couple months earlier, my mom and my sister uh, passed away. They got killed in a car accident in Hudsonville. Mm -hmm. Um, Broad daylight, you know, just, and of course, I wasn't doing good at the time. I always loved my mom. I just moved home. I was, my mom had been praying for me and actually my roommate who I found out had been dealing drugs, um, you know, pretty extensively. Like I had heard that cops were, I'm like, I'm out of here. I know I'm, this is just above my pay grade. I I'm, want to have a good time, but I don't want to go to prison. I move home. My mom was helping me with my blockbuster bills and all my stupid things that I was behind on. And she and just when I get home with my mom and everything start making a little turnaround, she got killed in the car accident, oh, you know, and everything oh. kind of went to hell in a handbasket. And that was a whole grieving process. I just come through that. Mm. And, and then, um, you know, I'd previously gotten those MIPs. I hadn't even been sentenced yet. So then I, I come home and, uh, so I, I end up in jail. So I'm just fresh off my mom passing away. So I'm in a low for that. And then, um, my um, in jail, I find out my girlfriend at the time is pregnant mm. <laughs> while I'm in jail. I'm like, can I get any lower? I'm like, what? And so I just, 
you know, I'm in a pod cell over in Fillmore in Ottawa County with 25, 30 other guys. And it's just, I'm looking around at all. Like, just, I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, I felt, I'm like, this is not you. Like all I'm locked up with these wild men, you know, and bad dudes and stuff. And I'm like, I'm out of place. I look out of place, you know? And so I just read the Bible and I journaled and I just tried to get through it. And, you know, like I said, I just, uh, you know, I, I kind of had my come to Jesus moment and, uh, and, uh, I didn't really know what it looked like going out, but I, you know, I went through my time there and yeah, it was just a really good time for me to sit. I needed that time to just sit and cause I don't know how else I would have been forced to just meditate on what I needed to do what I needed to do, pray, think, and, um, God really did it, uh, you know, an amazing work in my heart, even though it was a process and it took a while for that sure. full turn on something happened on the inside. So, so I mean, you told Judge uh, Post, I'm going to quit drinking, but that was with tongue in cheek. But now that you're in jail, you, you kind of came to the conclusion that your lifestyle was not leading in a very positive direction. Oh, no, we had a crew of friends, just an army of buddies and guys and gals that would just do stuff i mean of course we were having fun yeah it was a riot but it was just it wasn't you know it wasn't good yep and i got out and they're like everyone's like hey well you know like welcome back like here bet you can't wait to crack one and do this and that and let's go cruising let's go hit the park and i was literally like in a fetal position in my closet i was living you know i moved out at you know i was moved out at the um yeah you know, no, actually I wasn't I'm trying to get that straight by, you know, I go back to my friends. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I just, I don't know, dude, I can't get in trouble like that. I get in trouble again. It's going to be way more serious. Plus I lost my license, you know, oh, okay. sure. in the process. Of course yeah. that was with the, with the whole deal. Yeah. So I'm like, man, this just ain't worth it. <laughs> no, I'm just so. So did you break off relationships with those friends? I ended up. Yeah. Because part of it was too. And this was before. I went to jail. Part of this process was I had a roommate that was a great friend and he had lost his mom in ninth grade to cancer. Wow. And he, we were like best buds and he was the one actually who started, you know, do his dealing drugs. And I, yep, I, right. I just said, Hey, we got to separate, you know, yep. I am not going to do that. Yep. I called him after my mom passed away and I just wanted to talk because I figured he'd been through this process and, sure. and he just, he pulled into my driveway. I never remember with his big stereo bumping, his windows all tinted. And I go in his car, figured we'd just take a drive and talk. And I opened the door and he had a, a Bud Light and a joint in his hand. He had a joint in his fingers and a Bud Light. And he looked at me and he said, I got what you need. Let's talk. And I looked at that and I was like, man, my mom was a good woman. And this is not how, I mean, that's what he went to when he lost his mom. Sure. And sure. his life had been hell. And I just looked at him. I looked at his life. I looked at, I just had like this epiphany. Yeah. Of I have a decision to make right here. How am I going to cope with this pain that I'm going through right now? Yeah. Am I going to medicate it Yep. and end up like my buddy here? Or am I going to, and I, I just, I just said, you know what? This isn't really what I need right now. I love you, man. I'll talk another time. And I really never talked to him ever again. So okay. yeah, relationships. I separated myself from that stuff and my girlfriend and who was pregnant, you know, that was a process of figuring out what to do with that. That was sure. a whole nother. Yeah. Addition to the equation, right? It was just a lot. It was just like I said. It's amazing the the just the 
the the cocktail of stuff you can get involved in in such a short amount of time because it really wasn't a long. I mean, it all yeah. started de you know spiraling south out mm -hmm. of control after I got my driver's license. You know, I had to get away from the house. Sure, but it really intensified my senior year into like kind of full party mode. And by the time I was nineteen, I mean in a year, year and a half, I had like destroyed everything. You oh. know? So didn't take so, long. So you're out of jail though. Did, did you get a mentor or somebody to help you to, to grow toward the Lord? Yeah. Um, my wife and I ended up getting married. Um, we, after my oldest was born, obviously he's the same age as our anniversary, our years married. And yep. that was a whole process tough too, because, um, you know, here we are kids, you know, just graduating high school. My wife was younger than me, you know? Sure. And so, and, um, and having to get a job in a house and a baby well, all my friends, like I said, that could get away, got away with everything. You know, they're out doing all the fun stuff. We needed babysitters. Plus we had one income. They all started getting married, having double incomes, no kids, you know, yep. doing things, fine things. And we're just scraping by for years, you know, and it just, you know, it was a really hard way to start. Okay. Um, and, uh, but no, my dad had, my dad at that point in time, after my mom passed away, he started just serving in church again. Uh, he went, um, he was going to Res Life in Granville and he graduated Bible school with, or he went to Bible school with Pastor Dwayne over there. Yep. And um, we just served there for like four years. I played in the band, he played in the band and uh, he ended up starting the uh, Resurrection Life Church in Rockford. Right. My wife and I lived in Zealand in Trent at the time. And so he was, I would say, as far as a mentor goes, you know, he just really went put up, you know, he helped make it possible. We He would pay our gas to drive to Rockford to set up and he would invent little jobs and things mm -hmm. to be able to give and help out and stuff like that. And so he just did whatever he could to get us involved, you know, in church and serving. And that was a big part of it. Um, so That's plus great. I come from a good home, a good family. And I'm, I, you know, I know. I, I knew what I needed to be doing. Yeah. So so at some point, I mean, you make a transition, and now you are a pastor. Did you, yeah. Did you go to a college, some sort of training to, to move in that direction, or how that I, I did after the fact. Um, <laughs> um, we had uh, all, basically, as part of this transition, I, you know, I, I worked in, a, in the service business, automotive service. Um, we had a uh, I worked for a company that put windshields in. We we traveled around to people's houses, and then sure. I ended up starting my own. And for years, I was self-employed, you know, just driving all over West Michigan to different mm -hmm. jobs. And sure. I, I spent a lot of time in my van, and I'm a big believer of redeeming the time, not just sitting in traffic, not putting on just some mindless radio. I always like to just be learning, hearing something, a sermon, wow. something that's – and I just did that, and I, I started listening just – out of a kind of a weird thing, I found some old tapes of Derek Prince that my mom and dad had from back in sure. the 70s and 80s yeah. in the Bible. And I just just I almost out of nostalgia started listening to those. And then he had some online stuff. And for like two, three years, I bet you yeah, he has thousands of sermons. I basically went to seminary in my van on, you know, his wow. Derek Prince's Bible teaching. Sure. And then the more and more we started just getting more involved in church and, and as I kind of grew in that, and then, you know, I was in a great mission field working in the service business, you know, occasionally you'd come to a, 
customer or something like that. It was something and, you know, you've got to lead you to pray to the situation. I really feel like I kind of went to seminary in my work van. Got it. And then um, my wife and I actually started leading um, some missions trips. Our son, um, Austin, was a very difficult child. And partially that, not partially, that's our fault. It was my wife and I, because of our dysfunction in the beginning, I resented having I didn't want any kids. I mean, I saw him as a barrier and an obstacle and a why. If I didn't have you, I was just a horrible, immature, you know, and how I treated him reflected a lot on his behavior. And, um, you know, I was like, I want my wife. I just don't want kids now. And it was me, 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 you know, all the typical. That's our culture. Yeah. And so the poor kid gets the brunt of all that. Well, of course, God's dealt with that and him and me and all that. But selfishly, you know, the reason I was originally self-employed is I just wanted to, if you really wanted to be honest, I wanted to be able to make enough money to provide a a nice house, nice vehicles, and give my wife enough money and things and everything, do whatever I had to do. So nobody could accuse me, could complain at me, and then I could just do whatever I wanted. Sure. You know, I like to hunt and fish. Uh, hunting, I would say, was a god in my life and outdoor mm-hmm. stuff. And sure. that's all I wanted to do. I mean, my fuel was to do my hobbies. Okay. And um, and uh, just it was super selfish. And uh, anyways, long where I'm getting at is Austin, when he was about 12 or 13, we wanted to send him on a missions trip just to show him how good he has it in America. I didn't want to go on a missions trip. I didn't need, you know, my wife, so he needed a chaperone. So my wife went along on the missions trip to Guatemala for a week where they're building houses and doing all this stuff. Well, she, needless to say, she'd come back and her life was wrecked, transformed, just, you know. Wrecked in a good way, you mean? In a good way, like completely blew, ruined her for the, all the things of this world, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and my son too, and I, she got home and it's like all like, in that she almost got mad at me because I just didn't get it, you know? Sure, so the next sure. year came around, I go on the missions trip this time again with my son. And of course, God got a hold of me. And then together we started doing missions trips and God was transforming our family and our life through serving. And, um, but then we almost got on this missions trip high. Like we would go okay. the missions trip, missions trip. And then we would just live at home here between the next missions trip. Sure. And then my wife, actually, we, we discovered an, uh, an organization called City Impact in San Francisco in the inner city of California mm-hmm. because we wanted to do some in-country trips where it wasn't so costly for sure. people to take. So anyways, got involved over there. And that was a, just a radical inner city mission, just really out of your comfort. It was dangerous, um, you know, around all the drugs and the homelessness sure. and the violence. But we started, you know, going there many times a year and my wife wanted to move there. And I'm like, I am not moving to California. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I don't want Lord, please. There's got to be some sinners around here at home. <laughs> so, again, it might have been a selfish motive in the beginning or whatever. But we started to research our area in Kent County. And we, after prayer and research, we were with a discipleship group that we were going through at the time in a small group. We ended up finding Cedar Springs, a mobile home community up there. And when we drove through there, it was 
it was like a war zone when we first discovered it in like 2014, 2015, and just we unbelievable just poverty and just everything there. So we we just started going door to we start prayed about the area, and we got a group of us together, and we just started doing. We just felt like this is local missions, and so we started doing a lot of the stuff we were doing in California and stuff. We just went door to door with some basic items people could use and you know knocking it was scary at first and you'd knock on doors and and just tell people you're praying about the area and uh, i just felt like uh, you just wanted to share some things if they could use them ask if you could pray for them just simple things like that sure ask you, know, right? you, know, you tell people hey anything we can be praying for you for while well, they're home with a cast on you know and their car on blocks and like no i don't need anything i'm like you sure like car runs good everybody's healthy money's good and they're like well no like I lost my job. I broke my leg and my car don't work. I'm like, all right, well, cool. Can we pray about that? And then, you know, you got, okay. And you, you know, get their name and, and then you, we would just pray for people like, you know, things. And we just said, let God do the work. That's all he asked us to do. And we started going back and back. And a lot of these people that we were praying for, for different situations, God was, God was doing something and moving in their lives and just something started to happen you know and god did it we just did you know what he asked us to do yeah. whether it was healing or salvation you know every you know we get we'd get stories where you know somebody would knock on a door you know and somebody was about to shoot themselves or something and they'd mm -hmm. say like i was just crying out to god i have a gun on the table i was going to kill myself and if anything but you know one of them kind of stories wow and um so momentum started to build and um and uh, we became like a local outreach. And then uh, over the period of a couple of years, somebody actually donated a building to us. We renovated it. I didn't ask for any of this. Literally, I wasn't thinking beyond next week when we started it. And this started to just really build a bunch of momentum and become like a community outreach organization. So then my wife and I, while I was self-employed, we took a two-year seminary training program. Sure. And we both went through that. And at the end of those two years, um, I got ordained um, through the association as an outreach pastor. So I'm currently on staff at City Church in Rockford as an outreach pastor. But what we have at City Impact is a separate 501c3 um, with a separate board and budget and everything. We don't have any paid staff or anything like that. Um, it's completely volunteer. Our desire is to keep it autonomous. Uh, we have a real desire to work with other churches um, and other organizations that maybe wouldn't like, why would you just, why, why don't we all work together? Why does everybody have to start a separate that's right. one? That, that's right. That's Jesus prayer in John 17. That you exactly. Want, so, you know, yeah. And actually preaching on that Saturday night <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, and we do a Saturday night service okay. for that very reason. So that people, in other churches, my desire is not to put another church of a thousand people or 500 people yeah, on a corner. Sure. That's not my goal. Yeah, It's to be able to have people be able to plug in as believers to meet the needs of people. Uh, we And, uh, you know, the things God tells us to do in his word, but also we do things like evangelism training classes to train and equip people and what the Bible teaches about what the gifts of the spirit are, about how to, you know, to move in those, to get below, you know, the surface. And um, so whatever that is. Um, but yeah, we do some, we used to do grocery delivery into people's homes. We use food a lot. We have community dinners. Um, we do, uh, uh, we ended up starting a food pantry called the Grocery Garage that meets on Thursdays from like nine to noon. 
And uh, we put just hundreds of people through there a month. And um, again, we serve them. We let them shop. Um, we do everything we can to give them the most dignity that they can. We try to put healthy food that breakfast, lunch, and dinner type things. We don't ask about zip codes. We have people coming from Grand Rapids and Sparta and Belding and things. I don't, the food is just bait. It's going to, you know, the next stop is the dumpster. You know, it's good. It's all safe to eat. You know, everything's good like that. We're licensed. We work with Feeding America and Spartan stores, but we get a lot of donations and it's been an amazing outreach tool. And then, so that's on Thursdays and on Saturday night after our service, we open up again. So we give okay. a morning and an evening. And the thing is for Saturday night is you, we get so many people that come cause they're starving. They need food or they're what broke or whatever. And they sit, you know, they sit to church and then, you know, something happens. I mean, last Saturday we had, um, um, a baptism scheduled and we ended up having four spontaneous baptisms after the message where people just ran back and got shirts and got in the tank. So, yeah. So you're seeing people come to faith in Christ. Is that true? Oh yes. Yes. True. Yes. Very, very awesome. How how does that make you feel? Yeah. Makes me feel amazing. Yeah. To be able to see. And what the beautiful thing is, is what I think the culture of what we have around there is there's so many other amazing people. It's not me. It's like people have a desire to serve. They have a desire to do what God has called them to do. And I feel like what we do is help bring that desire to life, um, help activate it. We have our little slogan is called hashtag love activated. I'm wearing a shirt right now that says, you know, go, you'll know as you go. You know, a lot of times we, you know, people, you just, they want to figure everything out and, and they don't do anything because they can't wrap their mind around. You just do it. And then you'll learn as you go. And uh, so. In fact, some of the folks you work with, we used to, used to be our next door neighbors, the Rixies, mm-hmm. Jim and Jason. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Jim and Jason. Yep. Yeah. Good, good folks. Yeah. Marcia, yep. Marcia had a role in helping Jen come to faith in Christ and we're in a Bible study with them and now they've moved North and they love everything you're doing there. They love being part of it. So that's really exciting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. yeah. I don't know how much time you have, you know, me and you, you probably both have the gift of gab. So, uh, well, I guess I have one more area I want to just look at real briefly yeah. is mm-hmm. where are things going? We, you know, our ministry has been praying for revival and spiritual awakening. What you're seeing there in Cedar Springs, do you have any hope that as churches work together, as we, we, we go, we obey that we might see a mighty move of God in our day. I do. In fact, the message I gave for the our little congregation at the beginning of the year was, you know, the word go, but I prefaced it with, you know, we always think of, you know, what we as people likes to, like to do some sort of measurable work. You know, Jesus says the Great Commission, go into all the world, make disciples, you know, authority has been given. But, you know, I went back it up to the, you know, in Matthew six, where it says, go, you know, and shut your door and pray and mm. that. And so those are, those are the two goes, you know, and out of the knowing, out of the intimacy of knowing Jesus, out of what he does, the overflow of what we have with him, we're able to properly fulfill, you know, the great commission. I feel sometimes we get the cart before the horse. Mm. And, uh, you know, you mentioned John 17. Um, yeah. I've yeah. really been taking a good look at for myself personally, where I feel God is leading us, you know, 
of course, through his word, if you look at it, there's a lot of challenging things in there that we're not mm -hmm. doing a good job of doing. Like Jesus says, my desire is that it would be one as yes. you are one, as you and I. He doesn't just say to get along. And he says, by us being one, the world will know. Yeah. Well, there's a strategy there. And we're, I was kind of, I've been in Ephesians three and four to where Paul is saying, you know, all these things about, you know, you know, the unity and the body of the Christ and everything. Our tendency is to want to just do all these things that we come up with that we think are going to be the best way. Jesus is like, it's more important that you are one and that you get along than it is the other things. The other stuff comes out of the overflow. So yeah. Um, where I see for us for City Impact is I'm really seeking the Lord about about really almost like backing up, you know, a little bit and making sure we have reset our compass to the foundation of Christ and pursuing exactly the manual of the word of what it says we're supposed to and then trusting him. But we have all these great things in place, but those are just. None of that's as effective it's going to be as if we are not properly rooted and grounded on Christ. And, um, you know, God gave me a, a word when we started this of all the way to the Mackinac Bridge. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know at the time. But as the longer we do this, you know, it's becoming evident it might be things like, you know, Jen and Jason, you know, they live north and they're starting a little satellite type ministry in Howard City. Mm -hmm. um, we have another couple that lives in Barrington up towards, you know, mm -hmm. you know, up towards Cadillac. And they are also have a desire and they're starting the work of doing one up there. Um, we get from Muskegon, um, just different things. Then it's got, it's not me. It's people that are involved with us that have a heart to do it. And like I said, I feel like, you know, these little towns along 131 and stuff and these little things that are that are designed to work in unity with the church yes. um, and into to come into a community and not as a threat as a new church in a corner but to come into a community as an outreach vehicle that people can plug in and and um really be a tool uh but then again fueled by the love of jesus built on the foundation of christ the way he wants it done and uh, just trusting him i mean i've been using the example of jericho you know like God gives us strategies and plans that don't make sense to us. You know, go around the wall seven times and blow the trumpet. That ain't going to work. That doesn't look like it's going to work. God's like, you know what? Just trust me. It'll work. And it doesn't look. It, it worked. Know, you go and blow the trumpet and the walls come down. Okay, God, he knows what he's talking about. Right, no, let's, I just, love it. let's just do it his way. <laughs> so, I love it. Oh, Jonathan, this has been fun. Getting yeah. to know you better and hearing your story. God is so gracious. To take you from that very low point in the Ottawa County Jail uh, to, to just be used by him in incredible ways for his glory. So I wonder if you'd close us in prayer at, at yeah. this point. Thank you. Yes. Go. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name, and I just thank you for the time that we've been able to uh, spend talking about uh, the transforming power of the love of Jesus, Lord, the truth that sets us free, Lord. It's nothing that we do. It's what we carry, what you put in us, Lord. That's the transformation, and I pray you use this uh, time and this broadcast, Lord Jesus, to send it where it needs to go for someone who needs to hear it. If there's someone who hears, hears this, um, that this is speaking to, Lord, that 
um, you would just give them hope, Lord, as they reach out to you, maybe from a rough situation that, that they would just encounter your love, encounter your presence, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would, I pray for unity in the body of Christ, Lord Jesus, that you would, we would be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would build your church and that we would just come into alignment with the way that you have taught us in your word, Lord Jesus, and that you continue to activate people, Lord, in your love to serve. Um, and I just bless uh, Randy's ministry, what you've put on his heart to carry, Lord, and to to uh, the relationships that he has. I just pray increase in every area for him, Lord Jesus, that you just uh, that he continues to bear fruit. And even in those youth in the past, Lord Jesus, that he's had opportunity to uh, um, do that have come through the court system, uh, the words that he's spoken. Um, and him and his wife, Lord, just I think of all that, you know, I've heard of, of, of just the fruit that's come through their ministry. Lord, I just pray that you continue to bless it. And I thank you for your godly relationships like these, Lord. And um, just continue to bring um, these kind of connections and bless what happens. And we just pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. Love you, brother. Proud of you. you man. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.